Welcome back to the Going Deep Sports NFL podcast. We're talking Patriots. I'm Matt Keller, Editor-in-Chief of Going Deep Sports, and your host. I'm here with Jason Murphy, Murph, uh, number one Patriots fan, football contributor, and pretty fired up after the latest win over the loudmouth Rex Ryan and the <clears throat> and the Bills, right, Murph? You hate that guy. Yes, I do. I wish Minnesota was here to uh, chit-chat a little bit about his good coaching style. Yeah, Minister is uh, dealing with a emergency right now, so we're doing two-man Patriots pod this week. Minister will be back later in the week to, to pick the games for us and with us and preview the rest of the NFL slate, and we may get him at the very end to chime in on this Patriots game. But let's kind of talk about big-picture stuff. I was sitting here, and I, I had a whole list of things to go through with you, and I still will. But I was just thinking, like, if we had been doing this podcast during the Larry Bird era of the Celtics or the Bill Russell era of the Celtics or something like that, and people were like, hey, did did you talk about Bird? Did you talk about Russell every day? And we had said, oh, yeah, you know, well, uh, yeah, but it kind of got boring talking about those guys all the time. So, you know, we would find other issues to talk about. People will look at us like we're nuts, you know what I mean? So it's like, I know people get sick of Belichick and Brady, Brady and Belichick, Gronk, Brady, Belichick, Kraft, all these guys, but we're seeing something that's never been done in the history of the NFL. Certainly not in the salary cap era when everyone's gunning for you every year and teams change over their whole teams like every two or three years. Like, I'm sorry, I want to talk about this. Like, let's, let's appreciate what we have while we have it. It's been a long time since the Hugh Millen years, but we could go back there pretty easily. So let's appreciate what we have while we have it. That being said, that's a long way to get to this question. Why doesn't anyone else besides Belichick game plan week to week based on what the other team is going to do? I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, it seems like other teams do not do that. They just run what they run, what they run, what they run. And it seems like common sense to me. Can you can can you fill me in here? Do you have any idea? <laughs> I'm not sure I have any idea uh, on why they don't do it. I'd love to give you a great answer, but I have no idea. In fact, so we, I feel like we've we've gone over this issue. Like I, you know, we've talked about this, and you know, you, you know, your long question to get to this point was, you know, how do we talk about something other than Brady and Belichick? You know, the fact that they are playing checkers and everybody else is playing chess. Um, it's amazing to me. Those guys do nothing. These coaches around the league, I, I, they have like their base packages or whatever. And, and yes, I'm sure they game plan to a certain technique, but they don't. They don't game plan the way the Patriots game plan. All right, let's let's talk about the other coaches in the league who we who we even respect in terms of this stuff. Like, I'm not a fan of Tony Dungy or really Peyton Manning that much, but. What I'm seeing now makes me think more highly of them. At least they gave us competition, you know, week in and year in and year out, and they beat us a couple of times, and they'd have real game plans to go against us. Like, compared to the current Colts regime, they look like geniuses. Yeah. Uh, Harbaugh, I think both Harbaugh, Harbaugh brothers. Yeah. Harbaugh's good. Um, what about Pete C. Carroll? He kind of does the same thing every week, right? He's just good. I mean, they just have good yeah, they talent. Just, they don't. They don't really. They don't really get out of what they do. They just do it at a really very high level. And I mean, you gotta have plays to make this execute. But you know, I was like, I don't know. I was. I don't know if you caught any of uh, Brady today on D and C. No, I didn't yet. So they brought up some of that stuff, and they just, you know, they they were amazing. You know, the Brady was talking about how 
they were just amazed at like just how he changes almost 80% of these plays at the line of scrimmage that they call to get out of bad plays, whether it's a run play, whether it's this. He kind of went into it, which he usually doesn't, but he kind of went into like all the different things. And they were talking about – I found it very interesting. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll make and sure to listen he to said that. that. He said that he doesn't like to let up one play all game. Like he's serious about that, like not getting them in a bad position one time a game. He gets very upset if that happens. And – uh but he says he notices, he, he said this, he said he notices other teams at least run 15 bad plays a game. Just they won't change the call, they won't do anything, they just run the play that's called on the sidelines, that's it, let's hope it works, you know? Explain, and, can you go into that a little deeper just for the people listening at home? Because it's a big point and it, you know, might not stick out to the average person the first time, I'm just kind of comprehending it. But you're saying that teams, because they're too... Either they don't have the quarterback, or they don't have the coordinator, or they just haven't—they haven't got enough time in the system, or whatever it is. But he says, on average, that there's at least 15 plays a game where other teams are running bad plays against the, the Patriots' defense. He believes, or vice versa, or the defense is running a bad play against his offense, and they just aren't capable of getting out of it into the right play. So they run a bad play against the defense that's ready for it, or vice yes. versa. Yes, yes, and he says he doesn't like to do that once a game. Okay. Um, he says he's seen everything. He knows everything, and he 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 he's been in the league 16 years. And yes, you might catch him a couple times, but there's nothing that's gonna you know. And you can see it yesterday. Rex Ryan's got people standing up, standing down, up, down. You can't tell which way these are going. But Brady almost knows where they're gonna be. Well, it took him while it took him while to figure out Rex Ryan. I would say. Yes, it does. And, and you, when Rex does that stuff, you know, like he's going to stand people up. He's going to he's going to stand everybody up. Maybe one guy down. He's going to give you things that you don't look at. But it's amazing that he can figure out that during the game. I mean, that's his intellect. He can figure out what what these guys are trying to do within the game, within however many offensive plays they run in a game. I, all right, I got a couple quick thoughts. On and then that. hold on, real quick. No, yeah, yeah. One more thing It's like Troy Brown. This is how intricate this offense is. He was talking the other day to it. Or they had brought this part up that Troy Brown said that each receiver, and this is why you'll see, like, these guys just don't, I mean, Brady also referenced the fact that he plays with very smart people, like, that knows the offense and knows this. He plays with very, very smart people, and he, and he, and he holds them to um, a very high standard. Um, and had, Troy Brown went into it in more detail some, on one of the Comcast Sports Networks. He said, based on his his alignment and where the corner lines up, whether he's inside, outside, or if there's a safety on top, he has four different routes that he's going to run without even communicating with Brady. Hmm. Just based on the, the their alignment, if he's inside, he's running something to the outside, and, and then it changes again if there's a safety over the top. And they don't even communicate that. They're just on the same page. And that goes for every receiver across the board. So there's there could be a technically, if you think about it, 16 different routes run. 16 to 20 different routes run that Brady's looking at. And he has to... And know, he can digest this within seconds. It's amazing. And that's probably what, you know, when you hear these things that I'm sure are true out of Foxborough, when you hear Randy Moss is the smartest receiver I've ever played with, or Gronk is actually a really smart guy, <clears throat> yeah. that's what they're talking about. I mean, you, you can't be stupid to pick this stuff up. It's intricate. No, and like somebody like Ocho Cinco could run a decent route and do whatever, just couldn't pick it up. I mean, he was at the end of his career, but and I think I've heard this too. Like in the Bengals' offense, he said this isn't the same thing. They would just tell me to run it out, you know, and yeah. I could run a good out. Casa Palmer could give me the ball if it was covered, they'd catch it. But 
this is it's a totally different ball game here. <laughs> it's interesting you say that because Jimmy Graham is having the opposite problem. He he came from this intricate offense where you have to be at a certain spot at a certain time, and only then will you get the ball. And Drew Brees will put it right on the inch line of where it, it's supposed to be. Yeah. And now it's kind of like go down there, make a move, turn around, see where Wilson is, scramble around, get open, yeah. backyard. The thing about Wilson is I don't think he's like – he's not that prototypical quarterback, obviously, and he's not the most accurate guy in the world. But he's got no. two things going for him, or three things, I would say. One, he's got brass balls. Like, he's just not afraid to be a leader. Yeah. Two is that he used the, uses the run better than any quarterback maybe I've ever seen because he's a pass-throw guy who uses the run really effectively. Yes. And third is, like, for a guy who's in his third year in the league, he just gets that part of it at the line of scrimmage. Like, he's in control up there. Not like, yeah. not like Brady or Manning, but not that far away for a young player. No, and he's really young. Yeah. I think that goes a long way. Yeah, he looked like a totally different guy when he gets outside the pocket. His feet are moving uh, last night in the third quarter. Yeah, and they kind of contained him. They didn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they he shows his he shows his deficiencies, I guess, when they keep him inside the pocket. You know, when yeah. he gets outside, he can stop moving. Things start breaking down is when he uh, when he really succeeds. So, in terms of Brady being that mentally on top of it on the field. Yeah. It's kind of like, if you think about it, you know, take someone like McDaniels. McDaniels is what, like the same age as Brady, I think, or within a year or two? Yep. It's kind of like that. Like, Brady's been playing and McDaniels hasn't, but in terms of learning from Belichick and learning football and studying it and being around it all year long, there's not a big difference in terms of probably their learning progression. And mastering the game and Brady's just a coach who happens to be a good player he's a he's a yep. football offensive football coach who happens yep. to be 6'4 225 <laughs> with a big arm control the ball. yeah and the thing about Brady is you cannot disrupt him unless you rush him up the middle and that's I, kind of jumping into the Bills game a little bit here is that's where I was most impressed where I was most worried about the interior offensive line I'm not going to say like I sat there with a with a um, iPad and in a Excel spreadsheet like Greg Bedard or something, but yeah. if you look at the way they played, Brady was not getting pressured up the middle. Brady won't throw no. for 466 yards if he's being pressured up the middle. Being pressured up the middle is when he's at his most vulnerable. And if you let Brady like two, two and a half full seconds, and then allow him to step up into one of those baseball wind-up throws across the middle that go about between 12 and 25 yards downfield on a rope, like, you you can't stop the Patriots. He's too good no. at it. He's too accurate. Yeah, and I don't know why. I mean, we went over this uh, last week when we previewed the game. Is that We believed that's what the Jets were going to do. I mean, the Bills. The Bills. Yeah. Um, they were going to sit in this little umbrella zone and, and try, to, uh, try to beat them with their front four. So I was very impressed at the uh, offensive line. Um, did a good job holding that because that was their game plan. Yeah. You knew it coming in, it, it was going to be based on that. You know, was that whether they could contain that big ass defensive line, and if they could contain him, and if Brady could have time, he'd eventually pick him apart. Um, which was the case. It was surgical at times. You know, most passing yards ever on a Rex Ryan defense, I believe. Really? Yeah. Really? 
Bowl '66. They weren't uh, they weren't afraid to throw the ball, were they? I mean, from from the get go, I think he threw like I think the first five possessions. I don't think they ran the ball once. And that brings me back to the Seattle game a little bit, and the Patriots clearly think that if they can throw on you and can't run on you, they will spread you out and pick you apart until it stops. Until you stop yeah. the bleeding, they will keep coming at you. Yeah, and that goes back to uh, the matchup. We're going to get into a little bit about this. You know, we're talking about Rex Ryan a little later. Uh, well, let's hop but, into him now. Let's hop into Rex right, and right, his so game let's plan. Let's get into this real quick. Right? And this goes back to the original question. Is the Patriots will game plan accordingly to what you do? They are going to take away... Your number one offense, your number one option on offense, and make you beat them another way. No other team does that. Maybe because the Patriots have more options. I don't know, but against the Colts, the Patriots will run the ball fifty-five times, and then the next week against Seattle, they're going to throw it fifty-five times. It's like two different offenses. You know who I honestly think is the he doesn't vary as much as the Patriots because he has probably the most talented QB ever. But I think Mike McCarthy is pretty good. I've gained respect yeah. for him. Yeah, and, and their offense is like that. And Aaron Rodgers has free reign to do stuff. And, I mean, the guy's great, and he's good, and yeah. he's very comparable to that. But, I mean, he did butcher the end of that game. Yeah. And then the NFC Championship, you know. Um, maybe that comes with a little bit more game experience, you know. But as an offensive coach or whatever, I know he gave up the play call in this year. But, um, he's one of the few, but he's still not in Belichick's level, like you said, because no, of the I mean, clock no, management. I mean, at this point, I, don't, I, I can't. I can't I, I just there are different ways to win the game, you know. There are different, you know. You got the Dungy style, you got the Belichick style, you got a, you know the Tom Coughlin style. There are different ways. What's the Tom Coughlin style? Get lucky. Yeah, I guess so. Get lucky. I don't know. Yell and scream. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like get a six seed and get lucky in the playoffs, and then have yeah. a catch stick in someone's helmet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, get get back to rap. Anyway, so I was going back to you know I was just going back to past Super Bowl winners. Like they've all kind of have a different breed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah. there's only one that's sustained through this long period of time, and that's Belichick. And it's because they are disciplined in what they do. They are good at what they do, and they they, they coach up their players. They give them a lot of information and, 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 and expect them to digest it and do a good job at it. And, uh, you know, where was I going with this Rex Ryan? Well, Rex Ryan. Oh, go what? back to Rex Ryan. We're talking, you know, he spit bullshit out at the end of the game. Fucking talking about talking about how the Patriots should learn how to run the ball being up 24. It's like, hey, What the fuck does that mean? Yeah, because you're up 24. With the, I, well, we went back to this. I think they're going to start running some teams out of the building because I think they're pissed off. But you know what? Hey, shithead, stop putting 11 guys in the fucking box. You've coached against this guy for 20 <laughs> years. You know he's just going to do whatever you fucking give him, no matter what point in the goddamn game it is. And, and here... I mean, how, how smart are you? I mean, how stupid can you be? You're going to say something like that after a game, knowing you've coached against this guy for that long, and you know what he's going to do. That was I can't believe he said that. Like, And here's the other thing. The only way you're going to come back, which you almost did, is if he throws it and gets incomplete passes and stops the clock, you donkey. If he had run the ball, you wouldn't have even been close. Exactly. They almost came back because the Patriots hate him so much and they want to stomp all over him. Yeah. And I don't even think it was that. Like, I, I do get it. That I feel that they are going to do that to teams. But, again, if you stick 11 guys in the box, I don't care if they're up 24 or if they're up fucking, they're up three with a minute left. They're going to pass the ball, dude. They've shown it. They've gone through it on fourth and two in their own territory against the Colts because they felt like they couldn't give the ball back to man. They just go with the numbers advantages. It's just 
they felt that that was the best chance they had to win. And if you're gonna, if they don't think they can get a yard running the ball, and they're just gonna milk a little clock, then they're gonna pass the ball like a run play, and they're just gonna throw a flat out to Edelman, and it's gonna be like an extended run. I mean, it's just, it's what they do, it's what they've done. I don't understand why anybody else can't figure this out yet. It's crazy. Or somebody like Rex Ryan, who's coached against them for this long doesn't know that that's going to happen and then bitches about it in a post-game press conference. You know what, asshole? Here's the deal. Your team played like a bunch of fucking chippy, loudmouth, trash-talking assholes because that's the way you coached them this week. And you know what? It cost you the game. Yeah. they. I, I just rewatched the game this afternoon to get Dude, ready. so chippy. They were talking shit after down 21 nothing like a bunch of assholes, dude. Just fucking talking, hitting after the play, undisciplined. I texted you this, you know, earlier that like this game is too. These plays are too good. They're too talented, and these teams are somewhat too close. Other than I feel like at the quarterback position, I mean, I, I think there's a couple decent ones, and then there's a huge disparity. But if you don't have that position, you need to do those other things very good, especially when you're playing a guy like Brady. And the fact that you're going to get like all these 15 yard penalties, all these unsportsmanlike conducts, all these other things, and. I don't know. I mean, you just can't do that. That's the way he coaches, though. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, assholes! I'm so fucking pissed. I was, you know, I, I didn't want to see that guy get hurt, but that guy got like three fifteen-yard penalties. Yeah. What was I going to say? I part of what Rex does, I really like, but part of me questions whether he really even cares about winning. We were talking about something. Last week, uh, the week before, I think it was last week, about whether Belichick is proud of the fact that he's made these AFC championship games or whether he just cares about winning Super Bowls. Either way, and we, you guys came down on he just cares about winning Super Bowls, it's obviously the thing he cares about most. And he really considers it just a disappointment or a learning experience unless they come home with a trophy. Rex Ryan, to me, he's a competitor, but he seems happy to just kind of, you know throw a few curse words around, get the fans riled up, have a good time, win a few games, and just kind of go along his stupid feet-worshipping life with his stupid (laughs) Buffalo Bills logo on the side of his truck. Like, it's almost like a game to him. Like, he knows he's a good enough coach to have fun and win some games. He doesn't seem like he's that serious. Like, why else would you not care about the quarterback position? I honestly don't get it. Like, he clearly doesn't care that much about the quarterback position, or else he would have put more resources into it rather than having, like, a 20-man deep D-line. Maybe not this year, but, like, you got to look at his whole career. Yeah. I mean, he he's always been that guy, you know. Just, I mean, all the Ryans are. I don't know. I mean... You didn't really get much sound from Buddy Ryan, but I mean, I, I feel like his brother's kind of a similar way. They they like life. They're happy, jovial. You know, I, I think he wants to win, and like that's his way, and that's his bravado. His defense first, and you know, we're gonna hit you, and we're gonna knock you out. You know, you know, pump the chest a little bit, and you know, enjoy it a little bit at the same time. But like, I just don't think it's gonna work at this level. <laughs> you know. I think he'd make a great defensive coordinator on a team with somewhat of a offensive-based coach. Uh, but I just I don't think his way translates into the NFL. I told you this is a game of inches, and I feel like his coaching gives away too much shit. It's yeah. too undisciplined. There's too many penalties. There's too many of this bullshit. There's too many... 
it's just it's too undisciplined, and it just doesn't. You know, it might get you to the AFC Championship with some decent plays a couple of years in a row, but it ain't gonna. It ain't ever gonna take you to the top. It's too. It's too tight of a game when it gets down to that point. You know. Yeah, he's like the guy who. He's like the guy at the blackjack table who fucks everyone else up because he's throwing wild bets around at the wrong times, and he's just in it to have a good time. You know what I mean? And if he breaks yeah. even, he breaks even. He had some good times, whether he fucked up your bet or not. Anyway. Yeah. Let's move on to the game a little bit here. What what were you most encouraged by? Like we talked about the interior offensive line. I kind of think that's number 1, not to say that Brady's not the star, but like honestly, Brady and Gronk like they're just superhuman in terms of things we expected not to be that great. I'd say the interior of the offensive line and the front 7. I think those both were th- both things we were concerned about going into this week, both things. Yeah. I guess a decent defense. Supposed to be compared to the best defense in the last whatever. I don't know uh, who made this comparison. Somebody, I think on ESPN, said they were like the 86 Bears all of a sudden, you know, one game in. That's a joke. Yeah. They're not even as good as those Jets defenses that beat us in 2010. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I can't. I don't even watch that. I just started on Twitter. I don't even watch. I can't even stomach that, ch- that, yeah, that channel anymore. But uh, What's Mike Ditka doing on Monday Night Countdown? He's a fucking I, clown. I, not even watching it. He, wants, he probably wants to pull his hair out with the clowns he's on there with, though. Well, if I was one of the other cl- clowns he was on there with, I'd want to pull my hair out being on there with him. I, I mean, I like Keyshawn, but Chris Carter and Ditka can take a hike. Same with Tom oh. Jackson and Berman. Oh, yeah. They can all go. Yeah. Well, you know who's the... You know, <laughs> did you see Michael Irvin last night on the post-game show? No, but I love him, dude. He's on a. They got him on EI once a week. He's awesome. To listen to him. He was going crazy on Tom Brady about how you don't want to piss Tom Brady off. If you poke the bear, he's gonna lay the smackdown. <laughs> he was going. He was going off. He loves Brady. He loves oh, yeah. Brady. He loves Brady. He loves the Patriots. And I mean, I. I always liked him as a player, anyways. But I mean, he's just he's. I don't know. He's a good guy. He's got no agenda, put it that way. Yeah, he's just telling the truth as he sees it, and he's pretty upfront about his problems, unlike most of that league. Yeah, exactly. He, you know, he's hilarious. He was, oh, man, he was all fired up about Brady, <laughs> about them trash-talking Brady and him laying the smack down. <laughs> so, I love to look it up. I don't like everyone on NFL Network, but I really like Michael Irvin. Dion can be entertaining sometimes, even though he seems like kind of an asshole to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like Heath Evans. The guy who used to play for the Patriots, he's pretty yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. But, you know, whatever, they're few and far between. But a lot of these guys are just clowns, like you said on ESPN especially. Does Berman think he's funny? Uh, I don't know. He's still using the same jokes that he used when he did primetime when I was, like, 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, he's been at ESPN <laughs> since the first day it opened. Like, take a hike. <laughs> My fiance had never seen him before, and she the turn, TV turned on, and she was like... T- she took a step back from the TV when she saw Berman's hair. It's kind of looking like he's wearing like a Donald Trump wig at this point, but like it's like thinning even more. Drinking Mai Tais every night. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Brady, Gronk, et cetera, et cetera. Who specifically were you encouraged by? Well, we want to go back to I like the uh, the defensive line did good. Settled down after uh, that first drive. Um, uh, who was I most impressed by? Chandler Jones had a very good game. Yeah, I thought so too. Very good. I was um, really happy with him. I mean, I'm going to read a couple. Yeah, yeah, boy, Collins had a great game too. He was all over the field. Collins had maybe the best game he's played since he's overall. 
Yeah, he had two tackles for loss, eight solo tackles, 11 total tackles, three QB hits, I think at least one sack. Yep. Uh, let's see, Chandler Jones had three tackles for loss, two sacks, four QB hits, five solo tackles. Yeah. Hightower had 12 tackles, one QB hit. Uh, Jabal Sheard had a QB hit and a tackle for loss. Uh, three interceptions. So, yeah, yeah, I like the way the defensive line played. How did you think that Malcolm Brown played? I thought he played a little better, still getting used to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a work in progress, obviously. I mean, he's, you know, he's taking over a big position uh, from... Uh, Will Fork. You know, Will Fork, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I think he played well. I mean, it, it, I think they got out of the run early, tried to pass a lot, so... I don't think he was on the field. I don't know if you got snaps there. I don't think he was on the field. They were mixing him in and out, but it was hard to tell. Salig- uh, yeah, and I haven't had a chance to watch. Silver Saliga played a lot, and uh, Alan Branch played a lot. So it was a rotation. Does Chung yeah. play anymore? Uh, I, I don't s- know. I was looking for that, and I was looking the other day, too. I don't know how many snaps Nickovich got either. And then I noticed at one point, I think they said this on the broadcast, at one point they had four defensive Four defensive ends playing on the interior line at one point on a, on a third down, which was pretty interesting to see. I saw uh, that a little bit, yeah. Um, I mean, it's so it's tough to say how much Chung played. He had three total. Again, that's that's the game planning that goes into it. You know what I'm saying? Those are packages they have set up. You know <laughs> that these guys just don't run out anybody. Are you serious? Nice. What happened in the Jets the, game? Andrew Lock Sox. Andrew Luck is overrated. Let's get on that bandwagon. Mike Barbagallo, our gambling uh, expert at Going Deep Sports, wrote a column today trashing Andrew Luck and predicting the Jets plus seven in this game. I joined him in that bet. I, I, I did too without reading the article. Okay, so we're all we're all on the same thing. Uh, but I think we all agree the most important thing is we all agree that... He turns the ball way too much at this point. Yeah, I, mean, I get it the first couple of years, and the same thing with Manning. Manning had a ton of picks his first couple but years. But this is the step up year not to do that anymore. Yes, he just ran the ball to try to get a first down. He got hit five yards before it fumbled. <laughs> like, Too like, bad. Well, a chance with a minute three. I mean, throw the fucking ball away. Get to halftime. There's a minute three. They get the ball at the 45 going in. Seriously. Jesus fucking Christ. All right. Um, is it... Is it possible that with the possible well, is it possible that Brady is playing the best of his career right now as we speak, sitting here on Monday night? He's never played better. He, uh, the last three games, I'd say I don't know. It might be the best three he's played in a while. Yep. Back to back to back, uh, including the Super Bowl. Um, but I mean, it's hard to hard to negate that 2007 season. You know, over the course of 16 games, what he did. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, after these three games, I mean, at this age, I can't. I, like I said, facts. He is, he is pissed. As Michael Irving said, "You poke the bear." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you're gonna get laser light focus from him all year, uh, and you're gonna get it from Belichick. And like I said, we said in the podcast last week, I don't understand why these other teams and everybody keeps doing shit like this to get them pissed off. You know. The Bills put air pumps in their freaking store. Like, oh, that is just, crazy to me. To me, that like, makes. Like, why do they? Why I don't understand that. These people, people stupid. Like, I get it. It's a little bit of a fucking joke. But like, if I'm, like, if I'm the owner, I'm pissed. 
yeah, the owner or Rex Ryan or whatever. But Rex Ryan says funny. If somebody did that, if Belichick did that, or if somebody did that in like one of their stores. Oh my God, we'd get so much criticism. It'd be insane. No criticism. It would. Belichick would fly off the handle, dude. Some people would be losing their jobs. No, I'm saying if Belichick did it, which he never would, he would get no, criticized. I know, yeah. He, yeah. If the organization decided, hey, listen, I think it would be funny if we put a like a. Uh, you know, like when they're playing the Saints, put like a bounty gate type thing. In there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he would give them anything to give them a little bit of an edge to to jack them up a little bit. He's not going to give them. Don't they realize that he cares about this stuff and he gets pissed off and they actually play better? I I, I, I don't I yeah I, I don't I don't know I, I mean you would think that facts but the 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 uh, the evidence suggests otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody keeps doing it. I mean, if, what the fuck? I really think that if you if you take these guys like Michael Irvin or Tom Brady or Michael Jordan or uh, Tiger Woods at his peak, there's more that they have in common than there is separating them, and it's they have this like crazy, you know, any slight equals the greatest motivation, and they just have this sick, insatiable desire to to win and run up the score and kill their opponent. Yeah, exactly. And like, there's not many guys like that, it, even in the, the NFL. They don't even, they don't even need that. They they do that year after year. Whether the Deflategate happened or anything else, Brady's still going to be the first guy in the locker room. Yeah, he's but, got the hot wife. He's got millions of dollars. He's whatever. He's still the first guy there every year. And Jordan was scale, too, the last one to leave. Like it doesn't matter. He's just got this like you know, he's just got this desire to win more than anybody else it doesn't matter what he's accomplished that's that's in the past and like he can he can put that in the past and enjoy it later in his life or whatever but like they have like this sick ability to just to just sick competitiveness competitiveness that like they don't want to lose at anything yeah exactly like, then you then you add the fact that like you're gonna slight this guy and call him a fucking cheetah twice and and, and take away all his credit and he's just gonna come out and he's like all right well then i'm gonna kick your ass again and you come up with something else yeah, and, and Jordan's the same way. And I was just saying, like, just to keep them on edge, they'll take little things and make them, you know what I mean? Like, Brady will take them drafting a QB in the fourth round, and he doesn't talk about it publicly, but you know he's using that as a motivation. When it's exactly. like, obviously he's not going to lose his job. Michael Jordan will take the organization, you know, like, I don't know, not giving him as much salary as he wanted, and he'll take that as a motivation that people don't think he's that good and crush someone's soul with it. Like, they're just a different breed, like you said. Yeah, they don't They don't even need, they just need a littlest thing, and these guys are giving them, these guys are giving them so much fucking ammo. Okay, uh, changing gears, how worried should we be about the number two cornerback situation? You were at the first game. And you said you saw some troubling signs. I, I think we can agree that Malcolm Butler bounced back pretty well, even though he's not playing Big, big Ben this week. I think he had yeah, one. He, he played well. It's, I, you know, I, I think you'll see him continue to improve. I don't think, again, we'll go back to whatever we talked about before. In the end, I'm going to cover anybody like Antonio Brown. I said Des Bryant might be his best competition. He's not even going to see Des Bryant. He's not even going to see Tony Romo. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the next couple of weeks he's going to – see a bunch of slubs as far as you know no one's really uh coming up on the schedule that's going to give him issues at this point i don't think i mean the second corner back position i think you're just going to see a a flip flopping around until somebody figures it out uh, they can they can stop flipping F- fletcher in there as far as i'm concerned i'd, ra- uh, I'd rather take yeah, it- you, you might see him on um uh, 
He can't cover deep. Maybe on underneath shit. Yeah, you might see him cover like a bigger receiver that doesn't have much speed. The guy's a little bit taller, bigger. You know, like uh, the guy Terrell Brown doesn't seem like he's that great. No, he's okay. You know, I'm just worried about it. I'm worried about it. I'm worried about that Ninkovich spot. Although I'd like to see. Um, Jabal Sheard in there, and maybe Ninkovich be kind of like a spot player. Yeah, he was standing up a little bit this week, if I if I remember correctly. I haven't had a chance to watch it back yet, but yeah, uh, Sheard was uh, Sheard was standing up a few times. So I mean, I did see that he was playing in position. I was wondering if Ninkovich was even playing, but then I saw him come in the next play after after I realized that Sheard was in there for two plays before that. Um, Mayo seems like a spot player at this point. Yeah, they're probably just waiting to get him back full full gear. Hightower played well again. Um, He's a good. I think. Let's talk about Hightower for a second. He came in overweight his first year in the league. He came from a system in Alabama that's a very very similar defense to the one that New England's running. And obviously, the decision to draft him wasn't very hard. Belichick called Saban and said, "Can this kid play linebacker for me?" And Saban said, "Yes." And that was probably. I mean, I'm sure he worked him out and everything, but. To, to me, that sounds like the conversation that happened. Hightower's in there. He learns the offense. He gains the trust of the coaches. He's clearly a, you know, like a good guy, head on his shoulders, that kind of thing, just by seeing him interviewed for five minutes. That seems to be the case, at least. And he's pretty friggin' versatile. He's not going to cover Darren Sproles out of the backfield, but when you talk, we've talked about this, you know, ad nauseum, but he's, to me, is like a more dynamic Mayo. I know you think Mayo is a little underrated compared to what other people thought by the end of last year, but this guy can stop the run and get after the passer a little bit. No, he's definitely grown into uh, one of the top linebackers. Yeah. I think, um, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, I you know, I didn't... Uh, There's not too many middle linebackers I'd take over him in the league. You not know, at this point, no. Luke, Luke no, he can get to the quarterback, which is a unique ability for a middle linebacker. Not many middle linebackers have that ability to... Uh, and he's big, man. Like, he's a lot bigger than someone like... No, I know. Like Thomas Davis or, like, uh, Manti Teo or even... I think Bobby Wagner is probably the best middle linebacker in the league because he can cover, like, a safety. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is good. But, but Hightower's a big boy. Remember that tackle he had on Marshawn Lynch? Um, in the Super Bowl, the second to last play, he oh yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. he knocked Russell Okung like the best left one of the best left tackles in the league over comes across and tackles Marshawn Lynch with his shoulder like he's a big dude moving fast yeah yeah he's um yeah he's gonna I I think Mayo's gonna, still gonna be in that position you know however they scheme it up each week but you know as Mayo gets healthier he'll he'll get some time but I mean. I think Hightower is taking over that position. You might even see, I don't know what Mayo's contract looks like. but I think he'll be um, out after this year. Probably, yeah. He'll be one of those veteran cuts, I'm sure. Yeah, and they'll draft someone Belichick else. makes every year. Now, let's, let's put it this way. Alabama still has some draft busts, but I'd rather the Patriots be heavy on Alabama players than, than uh, uh, Urban Meyer's Florida uh, players. I was just going to, oh, man. Did you read that article? Him. Uh, I started to, and then I got busy, and I'm pissed I didn't because I was going to bring this up too, and I knew you were going to bring that up on me. Oh well, but well we don't need to read say. the whole article to talk about it. Let's just let the uh, listeners know. ESPN has an article you can Google it really easily, and it was just about how Urban Meyer built the program at Florida, but more importantly, how it fell apart on him. 
And it was basically just like, there's only a certain shelf life if you're recruiting bad kids, criminals, Aaron Hernandez's, et cetera, et cetera, and just letting them run amok and beat up coaches and do whatever the fuck they want. There's only a certain kind of shelf life for a program like that. And I'm shocked they wrote a piece like that. Yeah, but it was weird. Like, if you read it, like, there's still so much left unsaid. It was, it to me... After being on the other side, being an editor, being a writer, to me it seems like the kind of piece that was like twice as long, and the editor just kind of, they didn't use a scalpel, they used a butcher's block, and they just kind of <laughs> cut out the pieces that they didn't want to stand by and left in the pieces that they did, because it doesn't flow that well. It's almost yeah. like non-sequiturs after another, but it's still obviously very interesting. The, the most troubling, we'll get to the rest in a sec, but the, trub, the troubling part for me is they said that when Easley was in college, he was like a really bad guy and he was threatening to quit like every other week, threatening to quit the team every other week. Uh, hopefully that's turned around. Obviously he has bigger issues to deal with now. <laughs> and something tells me Belichick wouldn't draft a guy like that if that, he had been like that through all his years at Florida. But just a little, just a little troubling. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's troubling, and it's funny because we were thinking about you know how we were talking about what we're going to talk about on this podcast, and we were talking about how smart Belichick is, and I was just I was I was laying down and like going over some of these notes that we were going to talk about, and I wanted to bring this point up that you must have read my mind and brought up is like as smart and as intelligent as he is when it comes to, like, game planning and coaching and even drafting and, like, the fact that they... I was listening to that Troy Brown thing and uh, or Brady and talking about how he plays with very smart players. It's like, then why does Belichick continue to draft these fucking knuckleheads from fucking Urban Meyer's fucking programs? I don't fucking get it. Where does <laughs> his fucking relationship fucking hang with this guy? I mean, how many fucking times is he going to burn him with fucking somebody like Aaron Hernandez who's a total fucking... He's a fucking mass murderer. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm questioning whether I'm gonna fucking. I'm, I'm praising this guy on one end on how fucking intelligent and smart he is, and then on the other end, I'm like, he trusts this total fucking ass clown, Urban Meyer, on a lot of fucking draft picks. You know what the worst part about Meyer I is? Don't fucking get it. I don't. I don't. I don't understand it. I'm like, why can't he just go with his his relationships with like, you know, the other guy, you know, the dude from Iowa, Kurt Ferentz or whatever, is or Saban. Or how about drafting guys from pro- programs that you don't have a relationship and with? And he likes the guy from Michigan State, too. I mean, they, I think they draft pretty stand-up guys. I mean, I think they run a pretty stand-up program up there. I mean, I know they're not all – everybody's not a stand-up program, but, you know, and I'm sure Alabama, they don't go to class down there either, but Saban doesn't take any bullshit. Yeah. You know? I actually have a weird – I call me a, call me naive – I actually somewhat buy Nick Saban's bullshit about his players going to class. Like, he seems like the kind of guy who would at least require it. I don't know. I guess probably the stars don't have to go. I'm being naive now. But he seems like a bet To me, Nick Saban seems like a more stand-up guy than Urban Meyer. I know a lot of people oh, yeah. disagree with me. Maybe it's just because he's friend. I don't disagree friend- with you. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't really like Alabama, and I didn't really like... But I always, I, for some reason, I just, I don't know, maybe it's because we deal with Belichick and we like Belichick. And he's, I, I and he's know, friends maybe, with him Maybe Urban Saban reminds me kind of of a Belichick-type guy, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the, worst part about, the worst part about Urban Meyer is that he's, like, acting like he's, like, 
a good guy. Like, he's, like, making the kids' lives better. Like, he, like, cares about them, like, being Christians and, like, all this other horse shit. No, he cares about one thing. That's it. That's winning. Yeah, at least admit it. Like, Jimmy Johnson, when he was at Miami, I don't remember. I mean, it was a long time ago, but I don't remember him. Not the Dolphins at University of Miami and yeah. with the Cowboys. I don't remember him pretending that he was you know, Mother Teresa, like Urban Meyer does, making these kids' lives better. Barry Switzer, when he was at the Cowboys, when he was at Oklahoma, I don't remember him spewing all this bullshit. No, you know, he cares all- about one thing, winning, oh. and he cares about, uh, it's just, as, as a coach, the, the, the whole thing about coaching is, I can, half these people aren't going pro, you know what I'm saying? Or, and or to college, whether you're at the high school level, it's a, to make an impact. You're, you're a huge impact on these guys' lives, you know? Yeah. And you can steer them in the right direction or you can steer them in the wrong direction. If you let these guys get away with every little fucking thing, uh, you're going to get fucking, I don't know. You end up with Aaron Hernandez. You're going to end up with an Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. And somebody could have fucking, maybe no one could have reached him or no one could have helped him or whatever, but that's the case. But like, you fed into that bullshit. You fucking helped him fucking become who he was. Absolutely. And I think that Saban puts winning number one. But I also think just He'll seeing... He'll fucking cut it. He'll fucking... Uh, he's fucking kick people off. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, it's easy when you have like 900 five-star lot, recruits. It's a lot less than fucking attempted murder charges. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that, dude. You know what I'm saying? I, I'll tell you this. I saw something <laughs> from Saban the other day. And obviously Saban's a good liar. Otherwise, he wouldn't be such a good recruiter. <laughs> but he was saying when he was at Michigan State, he almost kicked Mushin Muhammad off the team. Yeah. And Mushin Muhammad uh, ended up sitting out for a year and doing sprints every day at 7 a.m. and going to class and blah, 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 blah. And he came back and he was an All-American. And now the guy's got, like, five kids and they're all in Ivy League schools and blah, 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 blah. And he was just saying, like, that's an example of the kind of difference I want to make in guys' lives. Now, the guy ended up being a millionaire in the NFL. Yeah. But, and Saban was talking about some other kid that he gave a shot to, and then it didn't work out, so he kicked him off the team. Like, you know, like I said, maybe I'm naive, but he just seems like he actually cares about that stuff a little bit. If you read this article, it seems like Urban Meyer was just running a full-out pro program with no rules, with even less rules than the NFL, because they could just do whatever they wanted. Yeah. And, like, per- yeah. Percy Harvin choked out a position coach, and he started the next week, and... He he would he would have guys who failed drug tests wear uh, walking casts on the sidelines so people didn't know they failed drug tests and like it's like are you serious? Yeah, what what type of role model and what type of person are you trying to be at this point? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then you see like his wife interviewed and she's talking about him like he's like fucking the Pope, like yeah, like he just likes influencing young people and all this shit. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. I hope I hope Belichick doesn't start drafting all these Ohio State players as good as some of them look, because his Florida guys were disappointments no, I mean, in the NFL. Look at what the fucking guy already wrote. I mean, last year, what's his name? What did he? What did he tweeted something out that he pulled down? But who? Uh, that guy Cardell Jones. He made the joke about how going to class was like. Or oh something. no, that was a while ago. That wasn't last year. What do you mean? The kid's a freshman, dude. He just stopped. no, no, no. He's a junior, dude. Are you sure? Yeah, he might be a redshirt sophomore, but he's the same year as Braxton Miller. He took a year at a PG. He's been there for like two, three years, I, I promise no, you. No, no way. All right, well, we'll, we'll look it up as we talk. But, <laughs> I thought he was a true freshman. Like, no, 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 no. Behind him, no, he had just never played. I'll look it up as we talk, but there's one uh, more thing I wanted to get in with you. I was reading an article today on Twitter, and there were people going back and forth, and the trend in the United States has been towards red zone – 
NFL package, sitting on your couch, gambling, fantasy, food, wings, whatever. Now, both of you and I like watching games by ourselves and like studying the games. But I tend to be more, I like that home viewing experience, and you go to as many games as possible. And going to games and seeing them in person, that experience, unless it's fueled by copious amounts of alcohol, which I know isn't your style, it's been, it's been under attack, kind of, in the football world. And I defend the in-game experience, defend the 10-hour tailgate, bring your own food, negative 20 degrees, defend that experience, because I know you have strong feelings about it. Um, well, I will say that for your side, it's a lot cheaper. Yeah, okay, that's a big part of it. So, the NFL has like, gone up. Like My ticket, I will say that my ticket for this Pittsburgh game that I just went to, um, the Crafts, and I, I think a couple other, you can look it up as we chit-chat, um, they have developed this like tier program, which I think is bullshit. Mm-hmm. So they tier the games based on before the season starts on like uh, competition. So like Jacksonville would be a low tiered game because they suck supposedly, and uh, a national televised Monday night game is a double tiered game. Uh, so the opener was a double tiered game. So my hundred and thirty dollar ticket was now two hundred thirty dollars. They, wait. Face face value. So you had to pay the difference. Yeah, you have to pay the extra hundred bucks. And when can they make that decision? And they don't. They don't tear the Jacksonville game to eighty. If you get what I mean. Yeah. So, <laughs> do you pay that before the season for your season tickets, or do you? Yeah, get you it? pay in like April. Like I pay right after the season's over. But they tell you the tiers then. I guess so. Yeah, they just stop. Okay, it. but yeah. they can't like tier them like they can't be like, oh, Pittsburgh's on a winning streak. We're gonna charge. Yeah, yeah, de- yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You already have the tickets in hand by that. That's what I mean. But like, you don't know which teams are gonna be good. Like, say Dallas was coming in, all of a sudden that's a tiered game because it might be a prime time game, and then you know, no Des Bryant, no Romo. You know. Okay. Here's the thing about uh, Cardell Jones, real quick. He's a junior. He's about to turn 22. Last week he tweeted, he changed his Twitter profile to say that he was the second string QB after he got pulled, but when he was a freshman three years ago, he tweeted, why do we even bother going to class? Now I'm not going to hold that against him because in Urban Meyer's world, that's like a jaywalking ticket. Yeah. You know? But I will say this, I will will say this, because I do... I have different views on this, and maybe we can do another podcast on this later on, on like college football and college sports and, and what these kids are expected to do. Um, you can't go to, you can't, if their profession is going to be, if that's their profession, like whatever my profession is, or, you know, I'm, I own a restaurant, so I would go to school to run a, I would go to school for business or whatever. That's going to be my profession. Yeah. These guys' profession is football, and unfortunately, there's no, Minor league. There's no minor league for that. It's it's college, and, and um, they're there to learn football. As far as I'm concerned. If yeah. So you don't care if they pro. go. You don't care if they go to class, do you? I, I do. I could give two fucking shits about it. Yeah. Okay. I think these guys get jobbed in the money. I think they should get paid a little bit. I mean, these guys make billions of dollars off, and they make it. They, the NCA is a fucking fraud yeah. altogether. I it, think it's a fucking joke, and we can get into that another time because it's a long discussion. Well, we should get into it, but I'll just say this: I'm gonna, I'm gonna be agreeing with you a lot because I agree with all these opinions. Like, I don't care. The kid's right. I give him. Now, it might say something that Urban Meyer is absolutely no discipline on the kids on his team because they're not afraid of him when they tweet this shit. Yeah. 
But yeah. I think he's right. Why do they go to class? I, I don't know. I mean, yes, I get it. They're getting a scholarship, and it's it's worth this fucking. You know what? He's probably making that fucking school tenfold what his fucking tuition is. Yeah. Ex- oh, tenfold, like two hundred. Now at this point, now they they started the national championship game. Yeah, a lot more. But I agree with you. Like we should do it in a different podcast because we're getting up against the time here. But quickly, like it's just crazy to me that these kids aren't even allowed to like get a loaner car, dude. Um, what's his name? Sorry, the guy. I, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but these. Uh, he's the starting left tackle for Ole Miss, and he's going to be a top five, top ten pick. Um, and uh, Laremi Tunsil, he's a big left tackle, and he got he's get he got suspended because he took a loaner car. Like if you were an engineering student who was a junior, and you had an app that was going to be acquired by Google for like fifty million dollars, and you took, and someone lent you a car because they knew you're about to have a lot of money and could pay them back. Like, would you be allowed? Would you not allowed be allowed to go to engineering class? I know this is a tortured example, but like, I don't fucking get it. Like, it's insane. Like, it's so unfair to these kids. You're right. Let's go into this a different time because there's so many levels you can go to. Oh, yeah. This is so – this can get – yeah, this can, we could do two hours on this. Yeah. Thing. All right. Back to the game. Why All do right. you so like – So, anyways, I'll defend that. Um, I guess my experience in this goes to back when – I don't know, maybe when I was a kid. So, I I don't have red zone and I'm sure the minister would exile me that for being a football fan. <laughs> exile. And without – having the NFL network and all this shit and like all this stuff, you know, um, all these extra channels and watching it 24 seven, but that's just not how I, you know, well, first of all, explain to people that you own own two restaurants and have a small child and a wife. So there's not that much time. I have a pregnant wife. I have a small child, so I don't have a lot of time to digest all this stuff. When I was younger, yes, obviously I had a lot more time to watch sports center 24 hours a day reruns and, and whatnot um and red zone wasn't around back then um fantasy football i was doing fantasy football pen and paper so a computer is great <laughs> <laughs> i can watch nfl gamecast just as well but my, my my experience with growing up with football is that i grew up on a sideline my dad was a coach for a long time when i was a kid that's all we did summers you know double sessions all that stuff that's where i would be my mother would be working or whatever my dad was coaching so I was on the sidelines. I was at practice. There's just something about the feel of being there uh, that makes me feel almost at home, you know. Um, so as much as I like watching the game on the couch, I like the view from the stadium a little better. Where do you sit um, in Gillette Stadium? I did sit originally when we had our original first tickets. We, we had them through another guy, which turned out to be kind of a, a brawl at the end. Um. I was in 104 section. So in the old stadium, the very old stadium, Foxborough, I was in like that one row that had seats. Okay. There was section 104 back then, um, and it had the seats on the tunnel. So like when I was a kid, I was able to like slap the players five, and I would get hats and gloves and all that stuff. I was along the tunnel side. Now, for for people listening real quick, how different is the in-game experience in terms of drinking, fights, rudeness... Uh, debauchery. Um, I've heard it's gotten a lot better. It's way better than the old stadium. My father would never take me to any regular season games at the old Foxborough until I got a little older. But when we were kids, we would go to like uh, up until maybe like I was 10 or 11 or 12. But like when I was real young, he wouldn't even take me to games because it was really bad in there. 
Um, and since the new one, and they have this rule that they're gonna, they'll take season tickets away from you, even if you give them to somebody who's an asshole. Okay. Um, and they have this new thing called the ticket exchange, where people that are on the waiting list can buy the tickets off regular season ticket holders, so they know they're going to legit people instead of just getting them on StubHub or whatever and selling them to some drunk asshole who's going to get in a fight and lose their fucking tickets or some college kid and uh, lose their season tickets. But they're pretty strict on that on that stuff. Um, so it's gotten much, much better. Um, you know, I just like the view from the field. I like the game. I mean, I'm in section 138. I'm row 30. I got a little bird's eye view. I'm about press box level high. Um, about on the goal line on the, where the... Uh, you know where the uh, the lighthouse is? Yep. On the other side. So if you rotate it around to the goal line on that side of the field. Okay. Now, can uh, you so, can you see the plays developing better than you can on TV? Is that part yeah, of the reason? Yeah, it's much better. I, I was struggling the other day. That's why I wanted to rewatch the game. Because they just give you angles, you know? Um, it's hard to see who's running open. How so when I'm watching the game at the stadium, I can see, like, I'll nudge my brother. I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is going to Gronk. Like, I can see that stuff because I can see the formation better, whereas the camera angles on, on the TV get so close and so tight. You can't really see, I don't know, you might not be able to see the safety over the top sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting there. Or you might not be able to see the one-on-one coverage on the opposite end of the field. Or you might not be able to see certain, just certain little things that you can't really see. Um, like right now they're showing it on this thing. They're showing the overhead view. You can definitely see that stuff in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're there, you can't really see it on TV if they're giving a close-up of Brady and shotgun. All of a sudden he snaps the ball, you know? They're getting him freaking calling plays out. And they got him in, you know, your, your camera angles right in his helmet, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I like the vantage point better. I like the smell of the stadium, you know, the food, the tailgate the energy now do you guys tailgate game time atmosphere the national anthem you just you can't beat that stuff you can sit on your couch all you want be at home and go to the bathroom all you want but as far as i'm concerned you can't just beat a game live now like you go watch a high school game and feel the same way do you go all the way through the cold weather um so um back when i had the old tickets um and into the new stadium, we had every game pretty much. Now we've split the season with somebody else. So I go, I try to go for the warmer weather games, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which usually works out. But I, I still do, I still do the cold weather games, um, and I will go to every playoff game. So, um, yes, the cold is part of it. And since you're probably the only sober person in the stadium at that point, what do you go with for what do you go with for gear when it's like zero degrees? Um, yeah, I just put a pair of sweatpants on, a pair of jeans over it, a nice big jacket, uh, you know, winter hat, something like that, a couple hand warmers, stuff like that. I mean, usually the energy in the place at that time of year yeah. keeps you warm enough. I mean, there was a couple times where it was really, really cold, like the Denver game. Remember that Titans game in like 04? Yeah, so that was the only year I didn't go because I was living in California. Those those three games that year that went to the Super Bowl was the only three playoff games I have never been to. Okay. Um so, because I was living in California, uh, but um, I went to the Snowball. I've been at, was at the Jacksonville AFC Championship uh, in '96. Yeah, I was 16. Yeah, big play, Willie Clay. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that right. game. Yep. Yeah. Um, we uh, 
yeah, so like, and we get to the great thing is, is we've we've uh, we've got this like little tailgate set up now where behind the stadium, which Kraft is like kind of like, trying to put an end to it, but he's not doing a very good job. Of Why it, is he trying to put an end to it? So do you buy the food in there or whatever, or go to his restaurants? I don't know what he no because he's he wants you to pay to park at his place. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So all these people in the back end of stadiums that were charging the people to park there, which my guy never charged. He didn't. He just had the party there, and we would all throw him a couple bucks here and there at the end. He would keep his yard up or do something new to his yard. He probably has fifty guys there. No one pays. Wait, ever, so, park so you're parking on his house? You're parking on someone's at someone's house on their lawn? Yeah. yeah. So on the back end of the stadium, where the where the uh, where the train goes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That train the, sucks, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes like two hours to get back to Boston. Yeah, and it just sits there the whole time. Yeah, it's brutal. I took it after so, a four twenty-five game. I didn't get back till Medford till like eleven thirty. So along the back end of that is a street called North Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so like people would like charge to park there, and then they have this like huge thing. And I think it was diverted. I think it was from Kraft wanted these these people to pay taxes on the money or the town. It was supposedly the town wanted to pay money on the ta- taxes on the money that they were taking in. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I think it had something to do with craft, pitching and moaning, you know? Yep. And uh, so my guy never, never, we never paid. We just put money in a jar every week and he would do something to his yard, you know? I mean, I guess it was paying, but it really wasn't, you know? If you had money, you put it in. If you didn't, you didn't have to put it in, you know? Yep. Uh-huh. All right, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the Google Earth image. So you're right on the other side of the train tracks from Gillette, and you just walk through the woods there? Yeah, and then there's like a... Oh, I see, I see North Street. Okay, that's right, Kitty, to the stadium. Yeah, and like right, I'm like four houses up from like... I'm like right around the corner on that end where the, um, the back-end VIP entrance is. Okay. Now, how far are you from the stadium? How long does it take you to get there on Sunday morning from your place? From... From, from home. Hamilton? From home, I yeah. Usually, I usually leave from Braintree sometimes because I'm always picking up food at the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, 20 minutes. Okay, that's not bad. Now, the people... Because the best part is I get to skip Route 1. I go past it. I go the next exit down, and I'm back there, and I'm parked at this guy's house. I don't have to deal with Route 1 driving down that fucking road and pay $50 in the park. That's nice. Do people it's go cool. Do people go to Patriot Place when the games, when the Patriots aren't around? Like, is it a popular place? Yeah, I've been up there a couple times. It's not bad. I mean, he's done a really good job up there. Yeah, I've been up there My a little bit. My cousin goes to eat there all the time. He lives in uh, Norwood. Uh, he lives in Walpole, so he lives right around the corner from the stadium. He's there all the time. Okay, so it's a used place. Yeah, Kraft is smart, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, he's made he's changed that whole place. Good facts. When that old stadium, man. Yeah, there was a trough to piss in. Oh, my God, it was like... It was such a shithole, and like there was like this old, rundown dog track on the other side, and I don't know. Eddie Andelman owned that. Yeah, and like there was like never any freaking horses or dogs running at the thing. <laughs> yeah, seriously, uh, it was like a bunch of dead dogs there, in the I back. Think it was, but I mean, other than that, I mean, it just hasn't been much. There was nothing going on there, you know. Does Kraft own Rodman Ford? No. He should. Yeah. How much money do you think those guys owe Kraft over the years? Like, how much business do you think they've got by people driving by it on the way to a game? Oh, crazy amounts. I mean, he's, he's, he's built another place, too, down the other end, on the other side, too. But he bought all those. Those were all independent parking lots on that whole side of the stadium. And does Rodman own them all? No. Rodman only owns one. He sells season tickets to yeah, – he sells, like, uh, spots there for the year. But, oh. like, there was, like, on the other side of that – 
that highway that crafts bowed down. There was all these independent people that you could pay, pay to park there all the time and walk across the street. Just craft on them all now? He bought them all out. I'm looking at it now. It's huge. He bought them all out. There was probably like 10 of them that were like parked in the woods, unpaved. They were just gravel and, and grass. And, I remember that, yeah. And people would be like selling t-shirts and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's abolished all of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I knew a kid. I know a kid that you know. I won't say his name, but he... uh Let's just say he may have uh, been the guy taking money for those one of those parking operations, and his boss only got half of it. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you know. Maybe ca- that's why they closed down. But um, yeah, cash. Yeah, no, this, like I said, there's nothing like the feel of the game. I love going there. I love the tailgate, the food, smoking cigars, hanging out, and uh, you know, is it a long day? Yeah, but you know what? Can't beat it as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Sit on your couch all day. Before we go, two quick questions. One is, is 16-0 and 0 a possibility, or is that just stupid to talk about now? Come back in a couple weeks. And that's uh, kind of combined with my other question is, is there anyone close to Gronk, Edelman, and Brady as a three-headed monster? Like, in this league, I don't think they play Seattle or Green Bay. Uh, can they go undefeated? Trying to think of who's a who's a non. So their big games are probably at Denver. Yep. Uh, They're probably playing Baltimore. I'm gonna bring it up right now. Uh, the Cowboys all of a sudden turned into probably a win, easily. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because I think it's realistic. I think it's very realistic. I'm, I'm thinking it's realistic at this point. I mean, All right. well, obviously the Dolphins always give us trouble down there. It doesn't matter. But usually we play them at the very beginning of the year. It's hot as fuck down there. I think we play them a little bit later. No, we year. played them the last game of the year. Down there? Yeah. Which makes sense. I don't understand. Here's the deal. This is what I don't fucking get. And I get it. We want to play home field advantage in the AFC East. And, like, do I love playing the Dolphins up here in the cold at the end of the year? Has it helped us some years? Like the year Lamar Miller fumbled for the division on the goal line. Yeah, it's great that we play the but we got a fucking hot weather team. We got a cold weather team. Like I feel like people would travel to each stadium. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know. Like I think a ton of Boston fans always go down there every year. But they Boston, go down there they well, go they well, go down there every year in Miami in January anyway. Yeah, but who the fuck wants to go down there in the middle of the fucking summer, at the beginning of September every year? And then why the hell does Miami want to come up here in the fucking middle of December? Exactly. Like, it's, we flip flop that. Like, it's the reverse. They can come up here for the foliage in the fall, and we can go down there to get away from the snow. Yep, exactly. And it's at the Dolphins, New Year's Eve weekend. It's Sunday, January third. You know, blah blah blah. Perfect. Okay, we here's will, we kicked our ass on. Here's the schedule. <laughs> Jaguars this weekend. I'll go out on a limb and say it's a win. Yeah, I'll fire out on that limb. Yeah, Cowboy at the Cowboys. That's a win, I think. At the Colts uh, on a Sunday night at 8.30. Jets at home, Dolphins at home, Redskins at home. Three straight at home? Yeah. How many, what game are we at now? We're coming up on the third game. No, I mean, what game are we at after those that, that little home stretch? Uh, that'll be after game eight. eight. All right, then what do we go on the road for a couple? Yeah, at the Giants, home yeah. against the Bills, at the Broncos, home against the Eagles, 
at the Texans, home against the Titans, at the Jets, at the Dolphins. I think 16-0, and 15-1 is very realistic. All right, so there's two games in there that probably worry me. One is... Uh, at the Broncos. At the Broncos, obviously. I mean, I know Manning isn't what he used to be, but the defense is playing really well. They yeah. are playing good. They're good at home. They're good at pressuring up the middle. Mile High is a tough place to play. I'll go back to what we talked about, Brady. Manning, as much as he's... His arm has declined, and he's throwing ducks. He's still smarter than ninety percent of the anybody but Brady in this league, and that accounts for enough in this league, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Oh my god! What a fucking moron! <laughs> and what's the other thing? What's the other game that scares you? I was gonna say the fucking Colts until they get fucking shut out and all by the Jets. Yeah, fuck the no, Colts. I'm, I'm, I'm not scared of that. Colts. I, I just brought that up because Frank Gore just dropped a touchdown. In the end zone. Like Good. running, he just. Threw the ball in the air. Good. I like the Jets. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got to wrap this uh, up. I'm Matt Keller, editor-in-chief of GoingDeepSports.com. Jason, Murphy, thanks for joining us. Football Podcast Patriots will be back later in the week with the minister to make our bets for this upcoming week, review them from last week, and talk about the rest of the NFL. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, bud. Thanks.